We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. How, how would you evaluate your season? Uh, I think we ain't done yet. For you, you personally? I think we ain't done yet. Welcome to another edition of the Butting Heads Podcast, proud part of Rams Talk Radio, the and the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Steve Barrow. Here's all with Johnny Gomez. Johnny, uh, another n- newsless week in the Rams world. What uh, what was your favorite Rams headline from the week? Uh, I guess my favorite headline was the one where there's literally nothing happening. <laughs> I I am enjoying the uh, celebration of how good of an owner Stan Kroenke is. It's pretty hilarious to me now that the Avalanche won the Stanley Cup. Yeah, Stan Kroenke, um, I mean, you got to give him his credit, even though uh, there's quite a few people that wouldn't. What's the football team he owns? Arsenal? What's the soccer team he owns? Am I fucking kidding? Uh... Yeah, it is Arsenal. I feel like Arsenal fans are the only people that might hate Stan Kroenke on the same level as St. Louis people. <laughs> is that possible? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't think so. Light news week, obviously. <laughs> so uh, we are going to be doing Rams Mount Rushmore's this week. We're super excited about it. We're going to do just offense this week. We will do defense on a future pod he, let me explain the rules. Johnny, we didn't go over the rules, nor did we go over each other's Mount Rushmore, so I'm kind of excited to see how similar ours are. But Mount Rushmore's four heads on the mountain. We're going to be doing four players at each position. We're going to do six for just general offensive line rather than split it into positions because, quite frankly, I didn't feel like doing that. It didn't uh, sound like a fun activity to me. Um, so yeah, that's about it. Any Rams players are eligible, Cleveland, St. Louis, LA. So this, this is interesting and I might get exposed for some of my lack of 
prehistoric Rams knowledge here. But I feel okay with where my list netted out. So we can start it with quarterback. Quarterback is way tougher than you think, man. Uh, This was a tough category. I think it was only tough for you, Steve. Um, (laughs) You nailed four pretty quick. Oh, yeah. It it was very easy. Um, But I have a feeling I understand why you think it's tough. And if if you're new listeners... Um, you won't understand why I know, but if you're old listeners, you should know right away why this will be a tough list for, for Steve. But for me, uh, quarterbacks came real easy. Well, quarterbacks came easy, but narrowing it down to four, I, I thought was pretty difficult. There's maybe the fourth one I could kind of understand, but overall, I, I got three right off the bat, like real easily. Okay, so... Let's see who we got. Kurt Warner, obviously. Yep. Uh, you could argue the most important player in the history of the franchise. Uh, an unmatched MVP season that we've never seen anything like before and never will again. Just a random dude getting in the starting lineup because somebody was injured. I mean, at least Tom Brady was drafted. This guy was even more obscure. Uh, and winning MVP, let alone winning the Super Bowl, just insane. It was a short time, but a good time. Uh, Kurt's really only a starter here for three and a half years, but you can't not, in no way you don't include this guy. Um, just MVP, Super Bowl champ. He's, I believe he's the only player who's done both uh, as a Ram. Yeah. I mean, there's absolutely no question that Kurt Warner is on here and, and obviously you're number one. Uh, this, this guy was such an important player in Rams history and, just an all-around damn good story, which, by the way, if you uh, haven't seen American Underdog, I encourage you to go see it. It is an awesome movie. And the, and the funny thing is, even in that movie, I feel like they missed out like some very key points of, of his career that it, it just goes to show you how how much of an underdog this guy really was. It, it's It's really a fantastic movie, and if you're a Rams fan, you should absolutely go watch it. Yeah, I've heard good things about the movie. I was uh, pretty surprised. Uh, it, it, I won't lie. I, I wasn't really blown away by any measure by the trailer, but everyone I know who's seen it has liked it, and that includes non-Rams fans. Uh, I got to check it out, man. I love Zachary Levi. Yeah, absolutely. They, uh, um, it, it's, uh, I, I will agree, because I, when I first saw the trailer, it just wasn't that thrilling it looks cheesy as hell but cheesy doesn't always equate to bad you know there's plenty of good cheesy movies and and then at the same token i've seen like damn good trailers and then the movie turned out to be trash so (laughs) trailers really don't tell you much that that's facts that's facts okay so we have kurt obviously he's number one so, like, I think there's six guys that you could make cases for being on this Mount Rushmore. Um, And I, like, I have narrowed it down to five, and I'm still torn on who I want to choose for this, honestly. Uh, but I think I have Roman Gabriel locked in in my top four. Uh, was he in your four? You know, that was the only one that I was I was struggling with because I feel like he he should be on here. But there was one that just made a big case and might be controversial. I think this will be very different from your list. Uh, so I'll, I'll save him for last. But uh, 
I actually do not have Roman Gabriel in my Mount Rushmore. Okay. Okay. And I, I know I'm going to piss off a lot of old school Ram fans. And, and you know what? I, I, I can accept because you know what? Uh, Roman Gabriel was a hell of a quarterback and I, I don't take anything away from him. Uh, he's certainly one of the Rams best quarterbacks of all time, but man, uh, you know, four, four guys, um, uh, you, you do have to narrow it down a little bit. And that's why I said uh, number four was kind of a challenge, but at the end, I think you kind of have to give it to the guy uh, that I'll announce later. So, yeah. So my case for Gabriel is, you know, um, as a Ram three-time pro bowler, uh, one time all pro and an MVP and not just like, you know, there were multiple MVPs handed out back in the day. I think if you look at the NFL MVP list, there's like four different awards being handed out every year as MVPs. So a lot of guys laid claim to MVPs, but Roman Gabriel was actually the MVP. Uh, he won every one of those. And the only other Rams quarterback that's ever done that is Kurt Warner. And so to me, that was, you know, when I'm tossing this up with a handful of guys that I've never seen play football, uh, that kind of stood out to me, even though he never won the big one. Um, he was on some winning teams. And uh, out of, like, I, I was looking at three fossilized quarterbacks here. No disrespect to these guys. And uh, Roman Gabriel, Bob Waterfield, Norman Rockland. I think those are the pre-merger guys that you have to throw on this list. Um, Roman Gabriel is the only one that had a positive career touchdown to interception ratio, which is borderline unheard of for good pre-merger players because they like, if you look at the number of interceptions, these guys threw, it was fucking insane. And so that was one of the, that was a big deal breaker for me. I mean, any of these guys are worthy, but that's what put Gabriel on my list. So, I mean, I would love to hear your number two. My number two is uh Norm Van Brocklin, the Dutch. Yeah. Um, and you're absolutely right, Steve. There's a lot that's very different between, you know, these old, old school guys. I mean, the, these guys are well before our time. And um, there's obviously a lot different about these these types of quarterbacks as opposed to, um, I guess, for lack of a better term, more modernized quarterbacks, even though uh, Roman Gabriel is before our time as well. So, yeah, And I, I mean, like, you with anything like any task like this, you're you're grading on a scale, okay? Because, like, you could transport Austin Davis back into 1945, and he would be the greatest player in NFL history. You know what I mean? Like, Bob Waterfield, Norm Van Brocklin, these guys probably aren't walking into 2022 and being starters in the NFL. But, like, you can't, you can't look at the project like that, you know? Because if that's the case, John Wolford might be on our fucking list. Um <laughs> no, he wouldn't, but like, you know what I mean? Like, so yeah, I, I have the Dutch at number three on my list too. Why don't, why don't you give me your, your rationale? So with, uh, with Norm Van Brocklin, I think what ultimately, um, kind of gives, gives it to him is just how, just how, uh, versatile he was as a player, not, not even just, you know, being a great quarterback, I mean, this was a guy that could literally do just about any position, and um, that's that's incredible. Now, I realize nowadays that wouldn't fly. That I mean, a lot of these guys are 
essentially train in one position to be just an absolute beast. So um, I understand that comparing to modern day, that wouldn't exactly fly. But at the same time, seeing, you know, um, the type of players that Norm Van Brocklin happened to, uh, you know, build up, you know, guys like, you know, Crazy Legs Hirsch, you know, uh, Tom Fears, you know, this, these are also, you know, uh, really important Rams players that I'm sure we're going to be talking about later. Um, and you know, that's, that's important too. You know, a quarter, a good quarterback is someone that's going to put up stats, but a great quarterback is somebody that's going to make players around him that much better. And I feel like, you know, especially with Norm Van Brocklin, that's what he did. He made players around him so much better. And, you know, um, to his credit, you know, he was, you know, one of the one of the reasons why the Rams have a championship, albeit not a Super Bowl championship. This was much earlier than that, but he's a big part of that reason. Yeah, he's an NFL champion. Um, six-time Pro Bowler with the Rams, I believe nine times total in his career. He had a good sim with the Eagles after he left. Uh, an all-decade team member in the 50s. He, he's hard not to include. And with all these guys, you know, I I put Gabriel a lot because he has the MVP, but retroactively, that was probably stupid. Van Brocken probably should be number two. Has a case for number one, but um, I'm going to give the edge to the guy that played against non plumbers um <laughs> no, absolutely no disrespect to plumbers if any are listening you guys are doing the fucking lord's work uh i appreciate everything you're doing um but hey hey they don't take shit from nobody steve i'm that's facts uh i'm gonna rephrase that to milkmen uh because those don't really exist anymore um if you are a milkman listening to the podcast hit me up because i'd love to have you on because i have no idea what that entails uh, okay, so I have Van Brocken at three. Let me let's hear your number three. Well, that was I have to say, Steve, that was an utterly shocking uh, segue there. So uh, <laughs> don't come at me, guys. I, I you know I have these stupid puns in my head sometimes. Um, but anyway, uh, my my number three guy is. Um, is a guy that Steve has already mentioned, and that's Bob Waterfield. And fun, funnily enough, one of the reasons why I chose Waterfield is because, again, much like much like uh, Van Brocklin, this is a guy that did everything. In fact, I believe he he even kicked field goals, um, and that's <laughs> he kicked field goals. He was a punter. He lined up as a defensive back. He would run the ball. I believe that, you know, while Van Brocklin, because they kind of, um, they kind of, uh, you know, met towards the end of, of Waterfield's career, you know, they kind of switched time off. Yeah. Um, and uh, so he would occasionally line up as a wide receiver. And it's like, holy shit, like what, what position didn't this guy do? And that's, that's incredible to me. And, and again, I realize this wouldn't necessarily fly in modern day NFL. Uh, but, you know, it. you, you got to give the man credit for that. And um, he was clearly one of the better quarterbacks of his time period. Um, 
he helped uh he, he was an instrumental uh part of the uh both championships if i recall correctly um where he no actually no i'm i was was he part of the the championship in uh cleveland i don't think so i think that might have been before his time no no he um, was he was the quarterback oh there uh, you go 45 right 45 or yep. 46 yeah, I'm trying to remember because um, I, I had wrote articles a long time ago uh, for Ram, Rams Talk about Bob Waterfield, and I, I did a lot of research into this. Um, so I do know that he I, – I would I can't remember if he if he was in the Cleveland years for the, uh, for the championship. Um, so, yeah, he, it, if that's the case, you know, he was the NFL championship for Cleveland – and Los Angeles. That's, that's something that's incredible. I mean, being a part of two cities with, with the same team, that's damn, like how many players can actually say that? Um, and uh, one thing that I remembered very distinctly uh, was he was one of uh, one of the highest paid players in the NFL Um when he signed a three-year, sixty-thousand-dollar contract, <laughs> and I'm like, there are players that get signing bonuses that are like ten times higher than that now. What and that's is, just the what an incredible bonus. stat. So yeah, for me, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me appreciating the older players a little bit more, uh, and that's maybe not a fair shake for a guy like Roman Roman Gabriel to be kind of outside of my Mount Rushmore, but I don't know, man. I, I just, I have a big appreciation for Waterfield. Plus he was a former Bruin, just saying. So, so yeah, um, Bob Waterfield is definitely my number three guy. Yeah. I mean, there's no denying the guy's legacy is a winner, two part of two Super Bowl teams. Uh, and yeah, him and Van Brocken both quarterback in 51. By the way, I just went on an inflation calculator. So $20,000 in 1950 was worth, a uh, quarter of a million dollars today, which to be fair to big Bob, even though that's less than what the minimum salary is in the NFL today, that's an insane <laughs> amount of money to get to play football in 1950 because it was not nearly that profitable compared to now. No, not even close. Okay. Um, I'm undecided if I want to have Waterfield at four or not. Who do you have at four? Okay, so here's my controversial number four. And I'm sure by now most of you might have guessed it already since uh, obviously I already mentioned that uh, Gabriel's outside my uh, my top four. Um, but I gave that to Matthew Stafford. And yeah, hear I, me think out. I, I think I want to do the same thing. I wanted to see what you said. I, I, I'm like, hear me out before you get the pitchforks ready, especially for, you know, the classic Ram fans, you know. I, I love and respect Roman Gabriel. Hell, I met Roman, Roman Gabriel before at, at a, a famous uh, a sports memorabilia, well, collectible memorabilia, I should say, uh, Frankincense in uh, SoCal. Uh, one of the coolest dudes you'll ever meet in your life. Um, really, really cool guy. <laughs> I remember my, my uh, cousin was standing next to me because we were standing in line uh, getting autographs. And he... He walks up to us. He sees my cousin's Roman Gabriel throwback jersey, and he goes, "Nice jersey." And at first, we're like, "Okay, thanks." 
And then we we double check, and it's like, holy shit, that was Roman Gabriel. I love <laughs> that. So uh, he um, he we immediately like realized that was Roman Gabriel. He came he came uh, back to us, gave us a handshake, a hug, and took pictures with us. Roman Gabriel, honestly, one of the coolest uh, legends you'll ever meet. I I highly uh, encourage everyone to you know just go out and meet him uh, whenever he's having you know meet and greets. Awesome dude. But uh, the reason why I selected Matthew Stafford here is even though he's only been with the Rams for a season, it's been a hell of a season. I mean, he came into a, a team that clearly needed a quarterback. And while, yes, you can argue that he came to a loaded team, and I won't deny that. I mean, they had some incredible players. But kind of like how I said with Norm Van Brocklin, that he made players around him better. You can make that argument that he made a lot of players around him better as well, uh, particularly on offense. Um, you know, e- even looking in the playoffs, you know, where he had very limited working with, um, he made guys around him sort of a household name like Kendall Blanton, you know, a guy that did virtually nothing his entire career, you know, thus far with the Rams. And, just made this absolute great catches and, you know, no uh, disrespect to those guys because, Hey, you know, guys like the Kendall Blanton's like the um, uh, let's see, I'm dropped. I'm missing some names here, but uh, Bryson Hopkins, the uh... (laughs) he gave Ben Skoranek a chance to look good. And he would have made Ben Skoranek look good (laughs) if he actually catched the ball, but uh, okay, getting off topic there. Uh, but you get the point here. There's no way the Rams win the Super Bowl without Matthew Stafford. He was that vital to this team. And I think if we have Jared Goff on the Rams in 2021, there's no way the Rams win. And and, and that's not taking anything away from Jared Goff either. I think he's uh, a great quarterback. I, I, I wouldn't put him near the... Uh, the level as as Matthew Stafford, but it just shows you how much of an improvement he was over Jared Goff. And I, I think he's going to be that much better for this team uh, moving forward. And if you if you want to go by career too, I mean, Matthew Stafford has hell of stats that, you know, are, are up there with among the best of the of the quarterbacks. That yeah, but that's not relevant place. to our discussion, Johnny. We don't care about the Detroit days, uh, but I – I wanted you to confirm my recency bias, and so I'm also going to put Matthew Stafford at four, and I guess I'll have Waterfield at five, which is a little sacrilegious. But look, man, I'm more impressed by somebody doing this in 2021 than in 1945, okay? I know that kind of (laughs) contradicts what I just said, but if that's going to be a tiebreaker for me, then I'm going to use it. Uh, It is the... By any metric, basically the second-best quarterback season a Ram has ever had. I don't really think that's a even remotely controversial thing to say. Um, 99 Kurt Warner is hard to beat, but this is about as close as you can get, man. And you're right. We we had we had a quarterback who w- is in the discussion if we like if we were to add a sixth player to our list, the guy that Matthew Stafford replaced is a legitimate candidate for that sixth position, you know what I mean? And he elevated the team that much. And so, yeah, I, I have him at fourth, man. He immortalized himself. I, I'm not going to lie. I seriously thought you were going to say Mark Bulger. 
No, <laughs> I love Mark Bull. I if I really ranking these guys out, I think after this it's six and seven. It's probably Jim Everett or Jared Goff, right? And then below that would probably be either the Vince Ferragamo, Mark Bulger tier. I I don't know why, but I I, I thought you you loved Mark Bulger that much that you were gonna put him in your in your mouth rush more. I I mean it's your it's he your specific guy. Yeah, it's your specific Mount Rushmore. So I mean, uh, obviously, not everyone's going to agree with us, and that's fine. That that's kind of what we want is to, you know, not only, you know, just talk about uh, a subject that pretty much we're all very passionate of. I would hope so if you're listening to our podcast, but uh, you know, to kind of, you know, remember all these old players too, uh, along with the new school players too. I, I think that's why I like my list a lot because. Um, you know, it's kind of a mix of really old school guys with the uh, new school with uh, Matthew Stafford. And I'm just saying, with my Mount Rashmore, we have a champion in every single one. That's, wow, saying. he's just throwing more shade at Roman Gabriel. You hate to see it. <laughs> I won't, I'm not throwing any shade at Roman Gabriel. He said I mean, all those nice things. He was just covering up. <laughs> no, it's... I think with those three guys, you could cut it up any way you want. And I agree. I want to slip, I want to slip Stafford in there. I think it is. Yeah. It. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, the easily the least controversial list position on the list is running back um yep are you not i'm assuming you are not going with a curveball here in one of these four spots no why don't we rank the players so we could talk about that i guess it's the only really interesting angle um and i'm guessing we are both ranking them in this order marshall falk eric dickerson steven jackson todd Gurley. although i i don't know i i guess like in a rams route rushmore even though I said last week that I think Todd Gurley might have had a better career, like I feel like Steven Jackson is so meaningful to us that I will rank him in this argument ahead of Todd Gurley. But I think it's a close argument. Uh, I think it's a way closer debate, honestly, than Falk versus Dickerson to me too, even though Dickerson's numbers are just fucking silly. Uh, three seasons with over 1,800 yards, four seasons over 1,600 yards, Single-season rushing record in 84, offensive player of the year in 86. I mean, I think Falk, to me, has got to be number one just because the Super Bowl win went to two of them. He was the offensive player of the year all three years. The Rams were really in the peak of their greatest John Turf era. 
Um, with the Rams, he's a three-time All-Pro and a four-time Pro Bowler. He's got six and seven total, including his time with the Colts. And a 1,000-1,000-yard season in 99, which is – correct me if I'm wrong. I don't. Did anyone do that between him and Christian McCaffrey? No, I don't think so. I will look that up while we're talking. But, yeah, it's a very uncontroversial list, and I feel like a very uncontroversial order. It, it depends on who you ask, too. Like, um, because a lot of times, I'll, I'll, whenever I'm at the games, especially when I'm tailgating at the games, uh, I like to talk to different Ram fans, you know, some from different generations. And obviously the people, you know, the, the old school Ram fans that, you know, have, you know, were actually – they're watching the, some of these guys play, you know, will will feel like, you know, guys like uh, Lawrence McCutcheon should be up there or. Um, and I, I think uh, I think McCutcheon is like a pretty, pretty undisputedly fifth, but I don't yeah. I don't really think he has a case ahead of the other four guys. No, I I, I wouldn't say so, but there might be uh, a few other guys that might disagree. And and, you know, that's fair, you know, uh, especially you can argue that Todd Gurley didn't really have a long enough co- career to really say, but um, personally, this these would be my Mount Rushmore, um, and, and I don't think it's really all that controversial. Uh, maybe some would rank Eric Dickerson as their number one guy uh, as opposed to Marshall Falk, but I would disagree simply because I feel like Marshall Falk was the better all-around running back. Um if we're going to say who's the best pure running back, I guess you can say that that would go to Eric Dickerson, but yeah, I think overall you got to give that to Falk. And I mean, Steven Jackson, I, I think we, we talked about this a lot a couple weeks ago about how, if this guy was even on a remotely good team that he would have much better numbers and could have challenged Eric Dickerson potentially. But uh, well, that's a lot of what ifs. So, uh, we can't really say that for certain. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, I I don't know if it's Steven Jackson's on another team, he's as good as Marshall Falk or Eric Dickerson. I am not ready to say that, but I would say that he would probably have been a Hall of Famer. No doubt. And I, and I, I still believe he should be a Hall of Famer. Yeah, Dickerson and Falk, I think, are in the conversation for the best running backs to ever play. Um, or at least on the, probably the second tier there behind, like, the Barry Sanders, Walter Payton, obvious tier one. Yeah, no doubt about that. Uh, yeah, only three players have had 1,000 rushing yards and 1,000 receiving yards in a season. Roger Craig was the first one. Uh, that is a wild trivia question that I would have never guessed. Neither. After, after him, it's just Falk and then McCaffrey. So, rarefied error. <laughs> <laughs> Receiver is, uh, I kind of like quarterback where it's pretty. There's a pretty obvious group of guys you have to consider, but I think it is a tough one. I think Cooper Cup made this a lot more complicated this year, um, because he firmly has entered this discussion. I think. I mean, let's start with this. I think pretty clearly, Isaac Bruce, Tory Hall, got to be one and two on this list. No doubt. And I they think, <laughs> yeah, it's. I don't think much he's said about Bruce. He's here for a long time. He's fifth all time receiving yards, but because Tory Holt for some fucking reason hasn't been in the Hall of Fame yet, like just to lay out this man's case, and I personally I would put him number one, and I feel like that's kind of controversial. But you look at his numbers, man. 
He's a seven-time Pro Bowler. He's a two-time All-Pro. He's a Super Bowl champion. He led the NFL in rushing or sorry, receiving yards and receptions in 2003, one one category away from a triple crown, and I believe he had another season where he led the league in receiving yards. But the most impressive thing to me is he had six straight seasons with 1,300 yards and 16, six straight seasons with 90 receptions. Both are NFL records. Nobody else has ever done that. I know Holt didn't have the longevity that guys like Larry Fitz, uh, Randy Moss, and Marvin Harrison had, but the peak is you know on par with anybody. And even though he wasn't like Jerry Rice where he was the undisputed best receiver in the NFL – for years, he was always in the mix as a top five guy, um, and I just that prime is insane, man. I I don't know how he hasn't gotten in yet. I think it's kind of outrageous that he didn't get in last year, and I think like he's if he doesn't get in this year, I will have some. I will be back on this podcast ranting, man. He uh, he just for some reason been getting disrespected. Yeah, it absolutely pisses me off that Torrey Holt hasn't been inducted yet. I mean, this guy was absolutely insane as, as a player. He was one of the most fun wide receivers in my era that I absolutely had a, not, a great chance to watch. And mind you, there's, there's been uh, there's been some very talented receivers out there. Uh, but, you know, especially on the Rams, you, you could make an argument that Torrey Holt – deserves to be number one on this list. Um, but I think kind of what gives the nod to Isaac Bruce is because of the longevity of his career, because of how iconic of a route runner he was. And um, I think for a lot of people, is Tory Holt as good as he is without Isaac Bruce? That could be debatable, you know? Um, I think not to yes. Take- I, I he yes. was good after Isaac Bruce declined. Of course, you know, not taking taking anything away from him, but I think he learned quite a bit from Isaac Bruce. Um, Isaac Bruce did take him under his wing, and uh, you know, especially um, in his uh, early years, uh, the greatest show on turf era. I mean, I I think he he drew a lot of. Uh, uh, a lot of, uh, you know, defenders away from Torrey Holt as well. So I think that's kind of why people give the edge to Isaac Bruce. Um, that and longevity, of course, you know, being good for so long and uh, being an absolute legend on the Rams. But, uh, you know, uh, I can understand why you would um, make an argument or a case for Torrey Holt to be above Isaac Bruce here. And, uh, like... Torrey Hill has the opposite problem of Steven Jackson where he couldn't have been drafted into a better situation. Yeah. And so, <laughs> like, yeah, you can use that to knock him a little bit if you want. I know you're not knocking him. I know you're only knocking him in this argument, um, which is true for all these guys. You know, these are all legends that we're talking about. Yeah. Um, maybe not in the next position group, but at least here. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I got him one, but, yeah, I'm not going to fight anybody who ranks Bruce one. Who do you have three? I'm curious who you have three. Uh, three is easily Crazy Legs Hirsch. And I know this kind of um, goes back to, like, the argument for uh, for quarterbacks. You know, would Crazy Legs Hirsch be, uh, you know, in the same tier of, of receivers in modern-day NFL? That would probably be a hell no because, 
Uh, I imagine a lot of these modern day wide receivers are just more athletic, bigger, stronger, um, pretty much everything over Hirsch. But I, I mean, one of these, one of the things you could say about crazy legs Hirsch is he was a damn good playmaker, you know, uh, that's, that's something you can't really shy away from. He's a hall of famer for a reason. And I mean, has one of the coolest nicknames ever. I mean, <laughs> such a crazy uh, nickname. I, I <laughs> they had I crazy legs Hirsch and night train lane on the same team at the same time. Yes. Yes. And then of course the Dutchman. And, I mean, I want to go back to those days of, of having these awesome nicknames because I feel like they just, uh, they don't have these cool nicknames anymore. Um, I like the coolest nickname I could think of in recent history would be like Big Game Tory Holt. I, I mean, it's cool and all, but is it a Crazy Legs Hirsch? Not really. Um, uh, but man, actually, it's kind of funny how he got his name. You know, he kind of ran weird, apparently. <laughs> but um, yeah, so. One of the reasons why you got to give it up to Hirsch is uh, dude was a stat machine during the time period. Again, I don't know if he can replicate that in modern day NFL, but, you know, for a time period that had less games, you know, um, putting up some big numbers, you know, contributing to NFL championships. uh, Well, I guess that'd be one championship, I believe. Yeah, if I remember correctly. Uh, But still. Definitely somebody that you would want to keep an eye out during that time period. Um, yeah, uh, can't think of uh, any better player to really be there at uh, number three. I just spilled water all over my floor as Johnny was talking here. Um, I'm using a Jets cup, so I think that was probably why. You fun- They fumbled the ball, so, you know. They did fumble the ball. Okay, so, you know, I was pretty ready to just not include Crazy Leg Search on my list of four guys um, because I liked my list. And then I looked at his stats, man. In 1951, in 12 games, he had 1,500 yards and 17 touchdowns. Yeah. That's yeah, pretty insane, right? Insane. And that was like 12 games, right? 12 games, yeah. Uh, I think that single season record stood for like, um, I think it stood for like 20 years, and I think he's still pretty high up um, in terms of, why I'm trying to read Wikipedia while I'm saying this, in terms of uh, (laughs) yards per catch, or or yards per game. Just just fucking outrageous. Yeah, it stood for 20, 20 years, even though there was less games. Um, and as of 2015, this probably might have changed this season. Only two players had more than 124.6 receiving yards per game ever. So that's just that's just out outrageous. Yeah, I, I I don't think you can really leave off crazy legs. You know, again, uh, we can make this argument all the time about whether or not he could accomplish this in modern day NFL, but I mean. Modern day NFL is just so different compared to now. There's more games. There's uh, more physicality. There's uh, this is more of a pass happy league, and that's 
that's kind of what affects the outcome also. So for me, though, I don't know. I, I have a deep appreciation for these old, old school players. I mean, these are guys that are even above most of our um, old school listeners. So, uh, you know, really, I would say the majority of the people that listen to this podcast um, have never seen these guys play at all. So uh, for me, I, the only reason why I know this, uh, these guys is because I did a lot of research um, writing articles about these guys, you know, writing for Rams talk. So uh, otherwise I wouldn't know. And, and so I guess a uh, big kudos to, uh, uh, to Derek for making me write all these old school articles. So yeah, thanks Derek. Agreed. I referenced a Rams all time Madden team article. I wrote for Rams talk in 2016 while filling out my list. <laughs> wow. That's... <laughs> there you go. Thank, thank you, Derek. Thanks. Yeah, if you want to hit ramstalk.net and look at some of these articles, most of them are still up. Um, So I had Crazy Legs 4. This might be a little controversial, but similar to what we did for quarterback, Johnny, I'm pulling Cooper Cup at 3. Five years as a Ram, you know, he wasn't like he was good for the first four. So I feel okay putting him at 3. Um, because he just had the best season by a receiver ever. I don't like, I, I am ready to just say that outright. I don't think it should be a controversial thing to say. I think it was the best receive season by a receiver ever. He, it'll be go down as one of the dumbest re- retrospective decisions to not give him MVP. Um, he won the triple crown. He is, I, I believe what top three in both receptions and receiving yards in his single season. Um, and he is, cause I'm looking at this now cause I looked it up for crazy like search 15th in touchdowns. Crazy likes, by the way, tied for six at 17 still, which is fucking crazy. Um, only five players have had more than 17 touchdowns in a single season. Obviously the record is, Randy Moss in 2007. So I, I put Cup, man. He deserves as much credit for the Super Bowl as Stafford does, in my opinion. I think him, Stafford, and Donald are those three guys that deserve the most credit for that. Um, without him, we certainly don't win the Super Bowl. Uh, I certainly don't think Stafford has a season he does. As much as I love Robert Woods, I think if he was the guy getting the mass targets, it wouldn't have looked like this. Uh, just an unbelievable year, and I think I would imagine two, even two years from now, this will be an obvious decision. Uh, but I have him at three, and I have Crazy Legs Hirsch at four, so I obviously left off some good players here. Did Cup make your list? So uh, this one was a tad hard at first for me because before this year, uh, that Cooper Cup had, I think it wouldn't be controversial to say that Henry Ellard gets the last spot at number four. And I, you know, he he's he's been like one of the faces of this franchise for for a long time, not only being a good contributing wide receiver, but, you know, being a damn good coach at one time. That coach, Bruce and Hall. Yep. Yeah, that, that's 
something you got to keep in mind as well. So, I mean, obviously Henry Ellard is very respected. He is a Rams legend and he's someone that you definitely want to keep in the conversation, but the year that Cooper cup had was just phenomenal. And it's, it's something that not many receivers can say that they were on that same level, you know? Uh, so, I mean, in that regard, you kind of have to give it to Cooper Cup, not only for being a damn good receiver, but like Steve said, uh, being a major factor in winning the Super Bowl. And and in my opinion, he should have been MVP. Uh, uh, I, I think he deserved it uh, overall, uh, even more so than Aaron Rodgers. I don't care what anybody says. He deserved it more than Aaron Rodgers. I don't care. I don't think it's controversial anymore. I think the playoffs have aged it well. No, it's not even close to being controversial. Uh, But that being said, it's not even just about this past season, too. It's looking back at, you know, um, his impact with the team in previous years, even back when the Rams went to the Super Bowl in 2018. You know, we harped so long on would the Rams have won the Super Bowl if Cooper cup was healthy and this season proves that hell yeah, the Rams would have won in my opinion. Now you can't, you can say that one player doesn't make a difference, but considering the lack of anything happening offensively for the Rams, um, he would have made a huge difference. And it's not like the Patriots were scoring big points on the Rams either. So I'm, I'm more than certain that if Cooper cup was healthy that season, that the Rams have two Lombardi trophies, you know, relatively close to each other. So, yeah, I I think that it's not controversial to have Cooper Cup on the Mount Rushmore. It, it kind of hurt me a little not to include Henry Ellard here, but I think it's time. If you were to ask me who my Mount Rushmore was last year, I probably would have said Ellard over Cup. I, I'm okay with adding a fifth spot here just so we could give Ellard his due because the man has been snubbed enough. He has. He really has. And uh and I'm I'm with you, man. I, I think we should uh create a fifth spot here. I mean, there's usually more wide receivers on a team anyway, right? So Yeah, there you go. I, I'm here for it. Um Ellard, you know, I I am not uh, going to sit here and say that he definitely should be in the Hall of Fame, but uh, he's kind of been grossly overlooked in that regard. You know, players of his caliber have gotten in, um, but ultimately it's just a weird place with receivers in the Hall of Fame. It is hard for them to get in. I mean, Torrey Hall's not even in yet. I You brought up a very interesting sliding doors moment for me, Johnny, because you mentioned if Cooper Cup was healthy in 2019 that the Rams would have, or 2018, uh, that the Rams would have two Super Bowls. Do they trade for Matthew Stafford if they win the Super Bowl in against the Patriots? Oof, that's a very good question. Because I don't think so. I think they give Jared Goff more time. Oof, man, that, that is a very good question. And no, I, to answer your question, I, I don't think they would because kind of the whole point in getting Matthew Stafford is because it was very obvious that 
uh, Jared Goff wasn't the answer at quarterback. Um, and he couldn't really elevate to the next level. And, um, you know, I, I, I think that's kind of been the, the biggest, the biggest deciding factor on actually getting Matthew Stafford. I know tensions kind of rose, you know, between, uh, uh, between golf and, and McVay, but, uh, man, that, that would be tough to justify, you know, trading away a Super Bowl quarterback. Uh, it had the Rams won in 2018. It's crazy how much longer your leash gets. If you win the Super Bowl, I mean, look at, uh, Look at Joe Flacco. You know, if oh. they if they don't win in 20, 2012, right? That's when they won. He's certainly not their starting quarterback for another six years. Nick Foles. Uh, yeah. Well, no, Nick Nick Foles, he, he wasn't the starter anymore, right? He didn't start the next year. No, and I, I, I think it was just because, I mean, Foles wasn't uh, – he, he kind of got lucky, if you ask we, me. Yeah, we had seen enough. Well, I can't call it luck, but I don't know what the fuck it was, because uh, we had seen enough of Foles to like know he's just an anomaly, uh, and that we I don't know I I don't he's just one of the weirdest players in NFL history. It was but, a fluke. That's what it was. It was a fluke. I don't think a it was fluke. a fluke, man. Some days it was a fluke season. Some days Nick Foles just looks like the best player on earth. There's no way to explain it. I'm sure at some point in the next three years, he's going to throw for six touchdowns and zero interceptions in a game. And we're all going to be like, why is this guy rotting away on the bench? And then somebody's going to make him a starter. And then we're going to remember why this guy's been rotting away on the bench. He's just such Probably a... the Browns. He... <laughs> <laughs> they might fucking trade for him this year, dude. Oh, shit. That's a good point. <laughs> I... If I'm them, mate, why not? Um... But, like, you look at Flacco, and I don't want to get in too much rabbit hole here, but, like, is he any different than Jared Goff or Jimmy Garoppolo, where, like, if either of those guys won their respective Super Bowls, the Niners probably aren't drafting Trey Lance, and the Rams probably aren't trading for Matthew Stafford. And if they do, if they actually had the balls to do that, it would have gotten way more backlash than it did. I, I'm not going to lie. I'd probably be one that would question that move. Uh, trading away a Super Bowl quarterback, uh, you know, uh, even if he wasn't able to jump that hurdle for the next couple of years, because, hey, he brought a ring to to the team. And uh, clearly, Matthew Stafford is the better quarterback of the two. But yeah, it would be really hard to justify, though, the the trade compensation would probably be a lot lower. I was thinking that too, yeah. There's no way if he won the Super Bowl, you'd have to give up two first-round picks and him. I think the Lions would have been more excited to buy him. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it is it is a crazy like thing to think about if, if they had won that year. Yeah, it's like uh, alternate universe NFL timelines. Mm-hmm. I'm here for that, man. That that should be – I feel like that should be like a show on like ESPN or something. Yeah, there, there's there's so many like rabbit hole moments like that. Uh, okay, tight end. Johnny, I'm going to be fucking honest with you, man. I didn't do it. I didn't I, – I was, I was not wasting a second of my life ranking the four best tight ends 
in this just putrid history of the franchise at the position. <laughs> I thought your boy Jared Cook was going to be on there, man. He might have. Was he on yours? He fucking might have no. been on mine. <laughs> Let's hear no. yours. Uh, and I mean, I'm just going to assume these players are not that interesting. Uh, so feel free to spend as much time on them as you want. So or my number little. one, my my number one guy is actually someone that I feel like doesn't get any love whatsoever, and it, it kind of baffles me because, uh, you know he he became a really good pass catching tight end at a time where that was kind of unheard of, albeit at a time where it was kind of a weird point offensively for the Rams, and that's Red Phillips. You know, Red Phillips does not get any love. It wouldn't be a big shock to me that, you know, some of the listeners don't even know who he is because I'll admit it until I did a lot of research on this guy for an article um, many years ago. I never heard of Red Phillips. This was way before my time. So, of course, I wouldn't hear about him. Count me as one of them, Johnny. Never heard of this guy. (laughs) But, yeah, Red Phillips was, I, I mean, keep in mind that the especially pass catching tight ends is kind of a newer position. If you think of the NFL as, as a, as a league, you know, that, that wasn't a common thing. You know, um, I, I think you'd be more inclined to finding uh, uh, pass catching fullbacks before you would find pass catching tight ends at this point. And red Phillips being one of these pioneering tight ends um, I think is is someone special. Now, mind you, if you're going to compare him to the likes of like a Travis Kelsey, Antonio Gates, yeah, you're you're not going to be anywhere near that level. But um, compared to the other tight ends that I have on this list, like it's yeah, it's kind of night and day because the next guy is Tyler Higby. <laughs> yeah, I don't regret not doing this. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I like my li- I I was into research on this, but like I feel like it might be undebatable here that he's number two because it's yeah, that it's, fucking bad. It's uh, you know, and some people are are gonna be asking, well, where's this guy? And and he's probably my number three guy. You'll you'll hear about him in a second, but uh, you got to kind of give it up to Tyler Higby. I know he's kind of a recent guy and some of you might be, well, you're a young guy that only is thinking about uh, the, the current players guys. I just, I just mentioned red Phillips. I, I'm not just thinking young, young here, uh, but yes, Tyler Higby, you got to give a lot of credit to um, for being a, uh, you know, a presence in this offense, uh, especially during the McVay era. Um, definitely elevated the tight end position gosh since probably since the number three guy on this list if you haven't guessed it already um but particularly in the 2018 season he was phenomenal especially uh towards the end of the year um he's been kind of battling injuries here and there but um overall you know he he has fantastic stats um you know i i think he has a career of you know, uh, nearly 2,500 receiving yards, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, somewhere along the lines of, like, 15 touchdowns or something like that. Uh, forgive me for not having the stats in front of me, but, uh, but yeah, 
he, he's he's uh he's up there for one of the better Rams tight ends. That's not saying a whole lot, but yeah. Statistically, and, he had I think the best five game stretch by a tight end ever. There you have it. Like it was it was four or five games. It was 2018, right at the end of the season, where just, yeah, what went just insane. Um, for a couple games near the end. No, I think it was 2019 actually. Just like was it 2019? Wow. Yeah, it was just, just like randomly decided he was the best player in the league. He had back to back 100 yard games. I think his previous high was like, or I don't know. I, I just I mean, go back to our pots at the time because we talked about how just silly it was. <laughs> and and really, um, to even kind of get an idea of how important he was to. Even this year's offense, he may not have had these spectacular numbers, but he was someone that was kind of a safety cushion for for Matthew Stafford, and he was looking for him a lot in the playoffs, and, well, he was hurt. So, you know, he unfortunately couldn't, you know, um, Matthew Stafford couldn't lean on him that much, but uh, he, he did lean on Kendall Blanton and Bryson Hopkins, so there you go. There we go. Uh, Who is the third guy that I am not? remembering ernie conwell okay it's if you're if you're mad that he didn't rank ernie fucking conwell second relax most people want him number one and truthfully i can't put ernie conwell number one because this as special of a tight end as he was um he benefited a lot from one of the best offenses to ever be constructed you're giving uh, Ernie Conwell way too much praise right now. Yeah. Was he yeah. that? No, no disrespect. He was fine. But you're like as special as he was. What about uh, Ernie Conwell, dude? Keep in mind, uh, there's not a whole lot to choose from here. And but again, out of, Super Bowl champ. He is, had a great he career. Has a ring. He has a ring. That's more than a lot of the Rams tight ends. <laughs> I mean, you you have to consider this. I would say Ernie Conwell was the best Rams tight end before, um, you know, basically there's Tyler Higby, and then the next best one goes down to Ernie Conwell. There's like a blank slate of tight ends that you could mention their name, and you're like, oh, yeah, I remember him. You know, guys like Lance Kendricks. Guys like, uh, let's see, um, Jared Cook. Are you uh, are you popping Lance Kendricks in there at four? No. <laughs> Brandon Manamaliuna. Yeah, that's my guy. Michael Hunawawanui. <laughs> yeah, th- th- there you go. So um, the that was kind of like, it- it's just such a weird tiered list here. And that's, there's a reason why Steve didn't do it. So. So my number four guy is Bob Klein. I I think I'm saying his name right. Or Bob Clean. No, I, I think, think it's Klein. Klein. Yeah, I I don't know. Some some names are pronounced weird or differently. Mind you, I didn't grow up in his era either. So, but again, how I know him, I did a lot of research. Um, he did contribute a lot, um, especially when you compare him to some of the guys I just mentioned. Um, and really probably if I had to sneak in a fifth guy, it would probably be Kendricks. Like 
there there beyond that there are guys that had a you know pretty good years for like two or three years and they either moved on from the Rams or they just disappeared so yeah these are these are my four guys I'm I'm gonna stick with them I I think yeah I can't really argue with this list um looking at these guys it's I think you're correct even though I didn't do it uh like any Bob Klein already feels like a reach but he was here for 10 years so hey um Ernie was here for a while runner wing uh Tyler Higby's at least a good tight end, uh, and Red Phillips, I, you sold me on him. No snubs. I, no snubs. Hey, Red, Red Phillips, in my opinion, is a snub. You know, he, he doesn't get the love he deserves, and I realize he's not, you know, uh, a, you know, uh, an uh, honorable mention on a top tight end of all time list or anything, but he's the best Rams tight end, uh, in my opinion. I, I don't even think he's close. I like you sold me enough on him, and usually with these lists, we have we'd have the old heads a little lower because there's modern guys who were just great. And the Rams have Red Phillips is probably the last Pro Bowl tight end they had, unless there's like a guy in the '80s I'm missing. No, I think you're right. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, we I are, think you're right. <laughs> we are to the tight end position what the Chicago Bears are to quarterbacks. Oh, man. That's sad. Yeah, like, I mean, we're probably worse, but it's a less important position, so it's fine. Yep. Let's go to O-line. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, we're just going to do six players here, just offensive linemen. I, my, my list of guys I deemed worthy, um, I had seven guys. I think I've narrowed it to six pretty feel pretty good about it. Um, so, I mean, let's start at the top. I think clear lock without really any discussion at the top. Orlando Pace, Jackie Slater, Tom Mack. Uh, I, Pace might be third in that ranking. I, don't, I, I didn't really rank them, but definitively no list cannot include those three. I didn't exactly rank them, but if I had to – rank them I would probably put Slater at number one simply because of how long he dominated I, I mean it, if you really go back and you look at Jackie Slater in the history books this man like it <laughs> just take a look on him at, at like uh on like pro football reference or something it's a huge list and then compare him to like someone that was only in the league for like I don't know, 10 seasons. And it's like, you, you look at how long he's been in the league. It's just like a book compared to other players. 20, it's funny. 20 years in the NFL. He was drafted in 1976 and he played for the St. Louis Rams. Like, it's just fucking silly. <laughs> and he was a key component in just Ram it. That's facts. That's true. Uh, yep. Jackie Slater, uh, you know, you could sit here and debate who was a better offensive lineman at their peak between him and Orlando Pace, but Slater is clearly the the number one guy here on this kind of list uh, and has a case for being on the overall Rams Mount Rushmore. You, you could say he has a case of being on a Mount Rushmore in general uh, in the NFL. You know, he's right up there. Yep. Um, and you can 
probably say the same for Orlando Pace because even though Pace may have not been on top as long as Jackie Slater, when he was on top, he was easily one of the best tackles to ever play the game. He, I mean, he was flawless at times, you know, especially during the greatest show on turf era. Um, I'm not kidding you when I said this was definitely one of the best offenses ever constructed. And Orlando Pace was a big factor in that. I I mean, and there's a lot of uh, offensive linemen that don't get any love from, uh, uh, from the greatest show on turf era. Um, But Orlando Pace was, was the key, you know, cog in that offensive line for sure. Yeah, he was an absolute fucking monster. First overall pick, lived up to the hype. Uh, maybe, I would have to research this, probably the last good offensive lineman the Rams have drafted in the first round. You mean to tell me you wouldn't put Alex Barron there? <laughs> and they've drafted good offensive linemen after this. Not many, but not a, a couple, and none of them in the first round, I don't think. Unless there was a guy in between Pace and Barron I'm missing. But home run pick... Um, a foundational piece of the greatest Sean Turf, like you said. We don't, we probably don't get to that level without him. Uh, Kurt Warner, Marshall Falk, they owe him a lot of things. And then, yeah, Tom Mack, I think also a lock, 11 time Pro Bowler. Um, yep. part of those early Rams. No real debate about it. Yeah. And much like Slater and Pace, he can be on, you know, an all time, you know, all time offensive lineman list or all time center list. He was, I mean, damn, he was he was a damn good player. Yep. I think you know more about this subject than me. I did do this list, okay? It's not like tight ends, but I'm going to let you lead, <laughs> and I'll tell you where I have your guys. Okay. So after we get um, away from the, uh, the top three there, I put uh, kind of a current guy, Andrew Whitworth. And I know, again, I'm going to probably get some hell from, you know, some of the the old school uh, Ram fans, but Big Wit, I know he was even in, in the decline of his career when he came to the Rams, but clearly this was a guy that the Rams couldn't win a Super Bowl without, without him. They couldn't win it or get to the Super Bowl in 2018 without him. Um, and he, he'll go down in history as one of the more underappreciated offensive linemen of all time. And, and it's a shame because it's it's hard to even know if Andrew Whitworth is going to even make it to the Hall of Fame, uh, even though in my book he should he should be a Hall of Famer. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think Andrew Whitworth at number four is definitely a must. Um, should I keep going or do you want to chime in at your number four? I, this is one guy I actually know shit about. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it can't be understated, and we've definitely stated it many times in the show, just the impact he had walking into the building. Um, I would have met four as well. He, like, even though while he was here, he only made one Pro Bowl, he made one All-Pro team, that season, like, you cannot understate his impact. This was probably the worst offensive line in football for a decade. Uh. <laughs> You want to go back and listen to our all decade, sh- all decade team shows from. Uh, I think we did that in the 2020 off season. The 2010s was a fucking wasteland until this guy got here. 
Uh, I mean, we got Rob Havenstein in the door, but other than him, man, like, there was just nothing going on there. And even before that, you go back to Orlando Pace's last couple years in his retirement, it was just a completely dreadful unit. It ruined the careers of two quarterbacks. And (laughs) when he walked in the door, we immediately had one of the best units in the league. And in his five years here, I think there was only one year where we had a bad offensive line. Uh, And the other four... Uh, at least 27 and 2018, they were absolutely elite. This year this year and last year, I don't know if I would say elite, but very, very competent and above average, you know, in the top, top 10, 15 units in the league. Uh, and it absolutely does not get that without him, his presence on and off the field. Just change this team uh, in a way that a lot of guys we've talked about today didn't. Very true, very true. So, um, so we got our four, now number five for me. Um, and this was kind of a toss-up between the five or six guy. I think both these guys were uh, amazing players. Um, but I'm going to give this one to Rich Sol. Um, Rich Sol was, again, uh, part of this uh, era of offensive linemen that were, I mean, it's pretty much the opposite of, like, the 2010 offensive linemen. Uh, you know, the offensive linemen from, like, the 80s, even to like kind of the early nineties players um, were just an, uh, another talent in their own right. And Rich Saul was someone that uh, doesn't get the love he deserves. Um, and uh, I, I think he should personally be an off uh, in a hall of famer. Um, but unfortunately I don't think he'll ever make it there. Um, but uh, yeah, not, not enough good things said about Rich Saul. Um, and it's a shame really because, Again, uh, this is an era in offensive lineman that I don't think many people give enough credit to. Yeah, I mean, I think the the guys in contention for the last two spots are Rich Saul, who had six, Dennis Hara, who had fifth, and uh, Doug Smith, who had seven. They all played together, um, or at least, well, I guess, uh, or they all crossed paths. Um, yeah. They weren't all together at the same time. Hara and Smith were together longer, but they there was a point where they're all on the team playing. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it, all, all three of these guys, multi-time pro bowlers. Um, and I don't think any of them sniffed the hall of fame. All of the linemen's tough because there's just a lot of really good offensive linemen. You know, the best offensive linemen in the league usually play for a while and rack up accolades. It's not a sexy position. So you're not, you're not looking to get two, three tackles in the Hall of Fame every year, let alone a fucking center. Um, so it's just an unfortunate thing for those guys. But they're all great players, and they're all integral to one of the best rushing offenses in the league. Oh, absolutely. And, and uh, yeah, uh, my my number six guy was Dennis Hara. And, honestly, you know, whether you put Rich Saul at number five or number six, I don't think it really matters because they both definitely deserve to be on this uh, – on this list of Mount Rushmore. Um, yeah, I I don't think it's controversial to have them, you know, as long as they're being mentioned at all, because um, whether you believe it or not, you know, the Rams have had, you know, some amazing offensive linemen. Doug Smith is another man that um, I would, I'm kind of right there with you, Steve. I, I would have probably have him at number seven. Um, and, 
kind of another guy I wanted to talk about. And when at first I was kind of putting this list together, I was kind of hoping I can squeeze him in there. But, you know, doing doing uh, um, offensive linemen in general, it would be really hard to justify putting him in. And that's Adam Timmerman, uh, another uh, greatest show on turf offensive lineman that doesn't get any love whatsoever. And, and mind you, you know, it's really hard to put him above, you know, guys like uh, Rich Saul, Dennis, Dennis Hera, um, Doug Smith. You know, it's really hard to put him above any of those guys. But uh, Adam Timmerman is a guy that I wish would get more love, and he just simply can't. Yeah, he was a unit, dude. I mean, uh, probably comparable but better uh, to what we got out of Roger Saffold for the years he was here. But I would say Timmerman was a better player in his time here. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, And nothing taken away from Roger Saffold because – you know, certainly you, you can – there's like a top 10 offensive guard list for the Rams. He would certainly be there. But, uh, um, wow, that would be a lot of research. <laughs> um, yeah, Jesus Christ. Imagine and, a top and, 10 tight ends list. Oh, man. That, might, Gerald Everett would be like seven. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, Gerald Everett would be up there. And, and as much as you would hate it, but Jared Cook would have to be in there. He'd be on the list. <laughs> He'd be <laughs> – too high on the list <laughs> so yeah i mean it, it's it's just one of those things that um if there it's as surprising as it is to say the rams have been really blessed with offensive linemen uh though you wouldn't know that uh if you were to look at the 2010 offensive linemen yeah I, if you like orlando pays last Pro Bowl was 2005 I'm like 95% sure the only Rams offensive lineman that made a Pro Bowl after that was Andrew Whitworth, and he made one. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of a really interesting thing because uh, especially in recent years, you know, you kind of look upon the Rams offensive line and you think that, you know, they've had some pretty solid offensive lines, but in reality, were, did they really have that dominant player like an Orlando Pace type of guy and really the closest one you'd get is a aged Andrew Whitworth and probably the next closest guy would be Roger Saffold who in to my knowledge did not make the Pro Bowl so no he actually did make an all second team all pro uh in 2017 but he he made a Pro Bowl when he after he left but not when he was here well there you have it and that's it. That's offense. Uh, we will do defense on the next show. I don't think it'll end up being as long as this one, but this was a fun time, man. I love these pods. So, Steve, for next time, should we do special teams along with the defense? I was thinking about that. Should we do just a special teams group of four? Because, like... I think that'd be obvious, to be honest. I can name two punters the Rams ever had: <laughs> Johnny Hecker, Donnie Jones. I don't know anyone besides them. Pretty much, if I were to name three or four right now, I'd have three kickers and a punter. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> well, 
I don't know. We, we'll discuss. We'll discuss. But we should we should loop special teams in. Maybe looping coaches too. Uh, we can loop in coaches. Yeah, I think. Actually, I think coaches would be a very fun one to discuss. Uh, yeah, I think there'd be a lot of our listeners that would love to be uh, would have their own opinions on coaches because uh, there are some coaches out there that get so much love that I just I don't understand it. <laughs> Uh, well, I, I, the suspense of who you're going to rake over the coals with that comment, I'm excited for. Uh, <laughs> look at us getting a 75-minute podcast in July. You love to see it. Uh, all right, we're going to wrap it up. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, at Barrow at Johnny596, at TalkRams. We will be back next week with part two. How, how would you evaluate your season? Uh, I think we ain't doing it. Personally, I think we ain't done yet. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.